Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, and this is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Matt Heafy from Trivium. It's a really exciting conversation. You may have heard about all the success that he's had on Twitch over the past couple years. There's this Forbes article that made the rounds a week or two ago that I think a lot of you probably saw. So I wanted to talk to him about exactly how and why he does that. Like he said in that article, when he's not on the road with Trivium, he actually makes more money from Twitch, which is pretty amazing. And I know as a lot of people are trying to figure out how to make money in ways that don't rely on touring, this kind of thing is getting a lot more attention. So I wanted to get into all the details of that with him, which we do in this show. Very excited to get into this one. But before I do that, first, if you would like to support the show, there are a few ways that you could do that. Number one, you could share this on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Tumblr, nobody uses Tumblr anymore, but if you do, share it on there, whatever. Tag me, tag the guest, and tag Deanna, our producer. That's one of the most helpful things you can do. Number two, if you really like us, you can support the show on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. Patrons get every show a week early. There's an opportunity to have me review your band or podcast or YouTube channel or any other creative project that you would like to send my way. There's a link to that in the show notes as well. And lastly, if you really, really, really like us, you can buy some merch. There's also a link to that in the show notes. So we thank everybody very much for their support. And also, before I get into the show, I must, as always, thank Deanna Chapman, our producer and editor, because without her, we could not do this show. If you have a podcast that you want to get off the ground, or maybe you already have a podcast that's going well, but you want it to do even better, then you should give her a shout. There's a link to her website and contact information in the show notes. And with all that out of the way, let's get into the show. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for making time for this. I know that we're all locked down, but something tells me that you have been staying super busy anyway. Yeah, it's it's weird that the world is supposedly supposed to be shut down, but I feel like I've I've been busier than ever in my entire life right Me now. Too. I mean, this, the streams have been going like the normal time slots, but those have gotten a, a lot more intensive. And then with our press tour that got canceled, they were supposed to be on, as of, I think still supposed to be going on right now, it was like a two and a half week press tour into an Asian tour, that getting canceled. We're doing all our press stuff from home now. So we're like juggling every country's press daily. Like I just did a, like a Scandinavian block and now it's a little bit of American block and then back to streams. Yeah, you know, I don't think everyone understands that for, you know, artists at your level, you have days and days of that where you're just doing back-to-back interviews, answering the same questions over and over. It's nuts. When I first heard of what a press tour was, I was like, that sounds horrible. And then I went on a press tour. I was like, holy cow, this is so rough. Like it's, I mean, for me to say that it's a lot of work to like talk about myself or my band sounds wrong. But when you're doing like eight to 10 hour days of interviews, it's it's pretty draining. And usually a press yeah. tour, you're having to like have pretty horrible travel conditions, meaning you get into an amazing city, you're put in typically an incredible hotel 
but you're not even really allowed to see that room. You're in a meeting room the rest of the time, and then you have to fly out, or you have to take a train the next morning at like five in the morning, then start press that finishes at like 11 p.m., and then you do the whole thing over again. So you get to be in these amazing places, but you hardly get to enjoy them. I mean, I've done a fraction of the interviews you have, and I find them quite tiring. Do you find playing live to be tiring like that, or is it a different kind of tiring? No, no, not at all. Not at all, thankfully. I mean, it'll be like physically exhaustive in a good yeah. way, like an exercise if it's a hotter venue or that's like the thing that I've always wanted to do. And I, I don't, I don't want to sound ungrateful of like when people like I'm, I'm stoked to be talking to you. The, my, the last thing I was just on was with Ryan Roxy, who's a guitar player for Alice Cooper. So like these things are super fun when they're like sure. different, when they're like you being a friend of Skeddy, which is awesome. And I love when it's like a different platform and it's a different thing. So what has been nice, though, this time around, even though we're confined to our homes, the fact that I get to be home during it is really great. Because normally, like I said, it's like eight to ten hours of essentially kind of the same question. Yeah. So it's nice that everything that I've had has been a little bit different. Now you're like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to get on a plane to do this next time. That's exactly what I'm telling me. Like, listen, this is this is the proof that we don't have to go anywhere. You guys can save a whole lot of money because it costs them money. And sure. They don't try to get cheaper flights. But of course, you know, they're not going to like spring for the fences with with a band like our size, like kind of the middle size. The big dudes get to get like the Post Malone flies first oh, class yeah. everywhere. Dude, that that <laughs> guy flies flies really comfortably. Charters. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, he flies comfortably. So what I wanted to talk to you about was all the streaming stuff that you've been doing for a while. You know, there was that Forbes article that came out, uh, I don't know, what a week or two ago that kind of made the rounds, uh, which I thought was really cool. I think that some people are aware of what you've been doing there, but for anybody who's not, can you kind of give them some background on that? Yep. Three years ago, we played a show in Barcelona and the promoter afterwards was like, hey, there's a couple YouTubers here that want to meet you. And I'm like, of course, we'd love to say, hey, we looked them up right before they said, hey, it was Jordy Wilde. He's got 7 million subs and then his buddy has 5 million subs and his buddy has 3 million. And they're all at this show and they're all big Tribune fans, like life or Tribune fans. So we got to meet all of them. They were super cool. We still stay in really good touch with them to this day. We've had them come up and sing some songs with us on stage. After we met them, I was saying out loud to the band in the dressing room, I was like, man, I'd love to start making content someday on YouTube. And Paulo looks at me and he's like, why don't you try a thing called Twitch? I was like, oh, I have heard of that a little bit, but you think I'd be good on that? He's like, yeah, you should, you should check it out because he knows how I've, I've loved video games my whole life. So Paulo sort of put that initial bug in my head and I went home and started, I started streaming like 15 to 20 minutes a day, a PS4 camera, nothing really that intensive. Kind of understand the idea of chat, but not really. I was already a fan of Dakotas and Shroud, but I'd always watch them on the Twitch Roku app. So you wouldn't really see chat at all. So I, was, right. I wasn't really aware of what a huge part that was back then. I'd have like five to 10 viewers, be super stoked that anybody wanted to watch me play games badly. Flash forward about half a year or so forward, we were playing a show in San Francisco. I was invited by Twitch HQ to come down to the headquarters because they heard I started streaming on the platform. A guy named Brandon, a guy named John gave me the tour. I found out they were Tribune fans and they've since become some of my closest friends in the world. They lent me a Gunrun backpack. Gunrun is the guy that invented that streaming IRL backpack. And there's like, why don't you start streaming your shows? So from that moment on, on the Trivium Arch Enemy, While She Sleeps, for an autopsy tour, I started streaming our shows, and I loved it. So I kept streaming the shows, but I'd still go back to playing games at home. On a trip to San Francisco, my wife and I like to go up there a lot, or we used to go up there a lot to get tattooed and eat and stuff, because we didn't really have a tattoo artist here until recently. We finally got a guy in Tampa, so it's a little bit of a shorter of a flight, shorter of a travel. I was with John and Brandon over dinner, and I was saying to them, man, I love Twitch so much, but I have to practice like one to three hours a day to keep my chops up, to keep my vocals up, my guitar up, and... I just wish I had more time for that. Brandon looks at me and says, why don't you start streaming that? I said, Brandon, no one wants to watch me practice vocals and practice tribute songs every day and guitars. I bet you they do. Try it out. So as of that point of two, two and a half years ago, I, I saw the, the stream totally change, definitely grew a lot. I think some people have the, the misconception that I started streaming music on Twitch and then people that watch Twitch came over. 
That's yeah. not what it was. I started streaming on Twitch, and the fan base that I already built with Trivium started coming over. So I had to instruct them what a new social media platform is. And that's a really hard thing to do. Audiences generally don't port from one platform to the other, in my experience anyway. Yeah, they really don't. And it was... I mean, people are only, they're noticing it now while it's looking really good, but there were so many times where like, man, this thing is already over. This thing, this thing is already over, but it keeps, it kept wavering. And now the fact that people have really started to take notice of it and the, the word Twitch is really coming into their ear and people are seeing like, oh, there are bands that play live on this thing. It's been nice that I already have the infrastructure there set up. So at that two and a half year point, I started streaming every show, every sound check, every warm up. So on tour, it's seven days a week, one to three streams a day, five days a week, two streams a day off tour. It's 75 to 90% of the time is me practicing Trivium stuff, taking Trivium requests for subs. My channel is free. Like, yes, there is a paid aspect to it. But what I always tell people is that it's free. It's free to chat. It's free to watch. It's free to engage. It's free to watch all the replays. It's free to do all that stuff. And if people want to sub, they can. That's what's nice is that it's it's not a paywall based thing. It's something that I just wanted to start doing in the first place. Because I like games. I like being connected to our fans because we've only ever had our fans in our band. That's it. We've never really been. We have never been a press band with the exception of the UK for our second record. And we've never been a band's band. We've only ever been built by our fans. So right. I love having those layers of where I can stay connected to our fans, make them feel good, give them a, you know, give them a laugh, uh, that kind of thing. And it's since grown to this, which is nice. Yeah, there's a lot of things I want to unpack there, but one of them is kind of the first thing you talked about, about building the audience. So when you first started taking it somewhat more seriously, so like after the PS4, you know, how many people were watching those streams? So it used to be, like it started averaging like 35 to 50s-ish, and it was really hard to get the word out. Even when I'd post on our Trivium Instagram, and I'd like ask the band, like, hey, do you mind if I promote our, our show stream and explain if you free Trivium show you can watch and engage? It still was like... It's so hard, like you said, porting your audience. So even a band at your level three years ago, you were getting a couple dozen people watching. Yes, yes. And it was like that for a long time. When I finally started cracking around 100 to 150, then I'd say it was probably, damn, I wish I had the exact. So if I started two and a half years ago, let's say half a year forward into that, the average was like 180 to 225. And when we do a show, like the first show of the tour would be like 700, 800 people. And it would gradually quickly drop. Then we'd have shows with like 150 people watching for a free show, which I was pretty blown away by a lot of times. With this now, I've noticed viewership and subscriptions have 5X'd since this this thing has gone oh, wow. on, which is pretty nuts. But the thing that I always try to encourage to band guys is to not think about viewers, not to think about view count, because a lot of people get very obsessed with that. Yeah. And it becomes something where they're just watching that the whole time. and it creates a creates a two-way effect it creates a two-way effect in that it's no longer an authentic fun thing and i feel like the audience can feel that just like in a live show an audience can tell when you're thinking inside of your head they can tell like not when you're playing badly but they can tell when you're not genuinely feeling it when you're not fully present yeah i'm always telling people like if you're going to do this this is about community this is about authenticity it's not about paying attention to viewership because i would get obsessed with that for a while i was like man no one's watching this thing and i talked to john and brandon who worked at twitch and John was one of the first 10 employees of Twitch, so he really knows it better than anyone I know so in life. So he's rich. <laughs> um, he's, he's retired at 33, 34. <laughs> Nicely he's done. Fresh, freshly retired. Congratulations. <laughs> he's, uh, he's my kid's godfather, my, our non-religious godfather. But yeah, so when I was getting obsessed with view count, I talked to John and Brandon about it. Just be like, hey, man, what am I doing wrong? Like, Matt, your subscriptions, though, are 
of account where you should have five times the amount of viewers or 10 times the amount of viewers, even still now. And what does a subscription mean for anybody who doesn't know? So subscription, they come in essentially four tiers. Anyone that has Amazon Prime gets a free sub. That free sub gets the streamer 50% of that five. So the streamer gets $2.50. That's why when Ninja was blowing up, when people first started paying attention to what Twitch and Fortnite was, when he had something upwards, I think he had like 250,000 subs at one point. I guarantee 50 to 75% of those were Amazon Prime subs, where he was still getting the $2.50 off that, but it was free for the viewer, which is really cool. So when people are in the channel, I always tell them, no one ever feel like you need to chip in a dollar or a penny in here. This is, this is yours for free. If you have a free sub, use it. If, not, if you're not going to use it here, use it on someone else's channel. Mm-hmm. Benefit someone with that thing that you're already paying for. Um, so there's the, the free Twitch Prime one. There's a $5 sub, which is 50-50 split for Twitch. There's a $10 sub one where you can add another emote or another level of things that you want to give to that tier two. Tier two is a 60-40 split to the streamer, 60%. And then there's a $25. It's a 70% split to the streamer and the rest goes to Twitch. So it's pretty favorable. So similar kind of model to Patreon. Yeah, yeah. And I just like that it's that it's a voluntary thing. I, I don't know if that would work the same way for everyone. But I remember when I was starting off and I would ask other streamers around the same size when when I was kind of in like that 15, 20K level, I would, I'd be asking them like, well, should I be doing sub-only chat? They're like, ah, we feel like leaving, leaving it open is always always a good idea. Um, but that's a like personal preference. There's also a like heavy donation culture in Twitch. You'll see like even some of the biggest streamers, you'll see like a recent donation, $5,000 to a streamer who's making multi-million dollars a, a year anyway. Right. So it's like, I'm usually pretty like blown away by that. Do you ever feel, I don't know if guilty is the right word or, you know, about monetizing in that way? I mean, you know, you do relatively well for yourself. Are you? I always tell people don't feel like you have to do anything. So what, what I started doing, because some people just insist on gifting subs, that's where they buy a bunch of subs for whoever's in the chat or people that would randomly donate. I sort of shifted it to a thing where we did a thing called Kichi Chaos Karaoke, which thing that was Brandon's idea from Twitch. Cause I was asking him like, well, people keep donating, but I would like that to be for something. Like I have a charity, a charity foundation as well that I was in push people to. It's a hundred percent of the charity, hundred percent of proceeds all go to charity. It's for my local children's hospital. But the karaoke thing, we start a five minute, a five minute timer. We put it in a sub only mode at that point. So only subscribers are allowed to bid. And we started a dollar. And we said, all right, we're starting a dollar. Bid whatever song you want. And in five minutes, the highest thing wins. It's like, you just have to be a legit bid and I will figure it out somehow. So we've done something like four or 500 covers now. And that that goes to the charity? That one goes to the channel. Okay. The charity one that's a $25 one that also gets gets a chance to win a guitar. Got it. So what I started doing, whoever keeps gifting, like I, I watch the different ways people can contribute. They can contribute by donations on Streamlabs, donations through Twitch Bits, gifting subs so i watch those three and i tally up the totals of each person like we've got a couple that i mean there's a person on my channel who's across the time he spent on our channel has gifted a couple thousand subs so anyone that hits that thousand i send them a guitar i think it's 250 it's five trivium shows 500 is 10 trivium shows and then the thousand is a guitar so i've sent off a lot of guitars to a lot of people already so it's like i wanted to set up something for the people that insisted on giving back to the channel in giving people subs- subscriptions to be able to enjoy the emotes or i mean there really isn't too much other stuff that we have locked down from that it's just you get emotes and you su- and you support the channel and especially at a time like now i mean our asia tour getting canceled was a colossal hit a colossal financial hit of yeah. all the flights all the hotels we paid our crew for the time that they would have been working we weren't able to pay them in full because we lost all the show pays but we made sure we paid something we call it our like Trivium stimulus package. <laughs> I always tell people what their stuff is supporting. It's supporting the channel. It's supporting me. It's supporting my family, my kids. And it's allowing my wife and I to work from home off tour. So off tour, 
I mean, our band is in a spot where like I don't have to work off tour. I don't live immodestly at all. I mean, we have a very like the house is the size that we need. I don't have a mansion. I don't have a bunch of fancy cars. We just have exactly what we need, the rooms we need. So the the Twitch streaming allows us to have a live in like ex teacher nanny to help take care of the kids while we're here during the day so we can hang out with our kids. My wife can work. I can work. We could pop in and hang out with them. So those are the things that that's what's really changed my life in a good way. So whereas working parents that have to like leave and send their kids to daycare, we're able to essentially do that here. That, that's one of the biggest things, one of the biggest pluses for me that I can be here. We can have someone who comes from the education field that we're able to keep employed here and that she can help us. You know, she's taught kids how to like, like potty training and like learning based things. So that's, that's been nice. But when I got into this, it was never about, it was never looking for another job. Tribune was my first band on my first job. I've never had another job besides this. I'd never, I'd never been in another full-time band. So you went into this just as a way of like, just hanging out with the fans and it ended up being this. Yeah. Just like someone would go into Instagram or Twitter. They don't really go into that thinking of a monetary way. Um, I, I guess some people have been able to monetize different social medias like Instagram stuff, through yeah. ads and stuff. But I went into it just wanting to stay connected. Like I said, that aspect of we've never been a press band or a band's band. I mean that seriously, like at festivals, we're never the band that you see with the side wings full of other bands. It's not because we don't support other bands. All we ever do is talk about the bands we yeah. love. And I'm not saying that they don't, I'm not saying they don't support us and that they don't love us. But when we were coming up, you're not like Meshuggah or something like that. Yeah, we didn't have that, but we did. What was different at those festival shows is that our crowd would be thicker. Our crowd would go out further, but we wouldn't have sideways packed the bands. So we've never been a band's band in that aspect. And only the UK, only Ascendancy was the only time we were a cover band. That was, that was it. It was, it was a 10-month stretch of history where we were on every magazine cover, hailed as the next biggest band in the world. And I think that's what drove a lot of bands away at that time. So we're 18, 19 years old saying that right. we're going to be the next biggest band in the world. And these magazines were echoing that. No one had met us yet. So it quickly turned off a lot of other bands. That perception has since gone away by like 2011, 2012. I think that people, you know, me being this present all the time, if I were a terrible person, I think we would have, it would have slipped. Someone would have already had the evidence on camera. Or, or you had them all disappeared. Maybe. Maybe you're, you're that horrible of a person. You know, they all just had unfortunate accidents. That is very possible. Yeah. I went into it just wanting that other layer of connectivity. And I just wanted a place where the people that support me and what I do for Trivium could have that extra layer of connectivity if they wanted it. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan, and this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.
But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. The idea of building that direct relationship with your fans is very compelling to me. And I made a video a couple of weeks ago about Periphery because I think they're another band that is incredibly good at that, at building that relationship with their, I mean, it really is a community and that turns into a lot of business ventures for them, but it's not with the intent of, hey, how do we monetize our audience? They just have a relationship and they go, oh, we realized our audience would like X, let's give it to them. And and it's interesting to me how many bands kind of don't interact with their fans. And I just don't really understand that mindset. It's super bizarre. I have been seeing, I mean, now that with this lockdown thing going on, I'm constantly tagged in tweets or posts of people asking like, what should I go into? Like musicians talking about, should I go into Patreon or Twitch or this or that? And then I see like a lot of musicians have reached out. I, I never want to seem preachy, like, hey, come over here. This is the best. But if, if a musician ever asks me, how do I set up my rig? I've, I've helped out Devin Townsend. I was talking to Alyssa from Arch Enemy last night about Twitch a bit. Um, I helped Jared and Herman Lee. Like, I remember he called me while I was on stream. He's like, how do I do this? And I explained him how to do it. So I'm always there. Anybody that ever wants to know of how to set up, whether it's something simple or what's the ethos of Twitch, or how do I make a Twitch channel successful, of course. But I have seen a lot of people talking about, like, hey, what, what pays more? What, what's what's the biggest way I can I, what's the highest right. splits and percentages and I'm like the thing, the thing with Twitch is like yes there is a lot of money that flows through it I mean look at Ninja he's what mid 20s one of the most successful human beings on the planet right now but the dude worked his ass off I mean 12 hours a day sure. 6 7 days a week also like an, a retired ex pro gamer and all the dudes that are crushing it right now um, my, my friend Dakotas who's one of my favorite streamers in the world to watch you know, he's, he's a professional streamer, professional Fortnite streamer. And I think people are, if they're focusing on Twitch, that's not really the right thing here. The idea is the relationship with the fans. And for some people, it'll be Twitch. For other people, it's going to be Patreon. For other people, it'll be something else. Like Twitch is not some magical thing that is going to, if you open a Twitch account, it's going to, you know, create what you have. Exactly. It's something that you have to, I've been saying that 
this has been one of the main topics of all the interviews lately with streaming stuff. It's as difficult as it is trying to get your band's name out there. It is as hard as it is like being in a van and starting off in a band. That's what this was when I first started. I was like, holy shit, like why is no one watching our free shows? Why is no one interested? And it's, I, I don't know what made people come around. I don't know why all of a sudden people started coming around. But the big thing that I've been trying to instruct people is that it's not just a matter of streaming your band once a month. Like that's, that's right. if you're trying to conquer the platform or understand the platform or make a place where your fans and your supporters can hang out and that maybe it becomes something like a side, like a side job or maybe it becomes a side profession. You have to be community centric. You have to build a schedule. You have to be consistent. It's got to be authentic. You have to want to do this. Like, if I wasn't feeling it, I mean, this is four to six hours a day, yeah. which isn't, I mean, that's that's a lot, I guess. It's not as much as some four other Four to six guys, hours of actual streaming, plus however much work you do on the back end of, like you said, looking at how much people have donated, you know, handling whatever support kind of questions come in. Yeah, it's as full-time a gig as Trivium is. But luckily, I've tied it in a way... I think we'll we'll see another thing too, which is fine if band guys just want to want to stream games on Twitch and they're happy to do that. But if if people like in my position, like I remember when I started thinking about Twitch, I was like, oh man, like I could hypothetically, and I wasn't actually thinking this, but if I was thinking in my head, like I'm going to be the next ninja, I'm going to be the next Fortnite superstar, I'm going to make millions of dollars playing games, and I'm a band guy who's going to switch jobs now. Yeah, it's not going to happen because those dudes, Ninja was doing what band guys were doing, picking up guitar at twelve. He was picking up. Halo at 12 or guys like Dakota's, right. you know, those, those guys have been streaming as long as all of us band guys have been touring. So do that for fun. Like, but if you want to turn this into something, something special for your fans, it's going to take work. It's going to take work just like it is to make a record, just like it is to go on tour. Consistency is important, but it is super fun. Like I, I love it. I love it to death. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And it's, I'm, I'm thankful that we have such supportive, intense, loving fans and every band has that. Bring your fans to your platform, whatever that may be. I would recommend it to be this platform. If it's not this platform, test some other things out. Um, I was watching Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie. My wife and I love Death Cab for Cutie. And he was doing all Facebook live streams. And he just wanted to do it. And he'd have, gosh, I think one of them, he had like 15,000 people watching wow. him on that. And that's that's done but he just wanted to do it he wanted to do it for a couple weeks and that was it so if it's just a matter of keeping your music out there keeping your fans happy absolutely do it but for me this is something that i've been having going for two and a half years and i intend to have this going nonstop because i love it i've gotten better at guitar playing i've gotten better at singing i've gotten better at frontmanship all through this because i'm doing it so much mm -hmm. more i used to practice 30 to 60 minutes a day off tour like if a tour was coming up or a record was coming up would get into record shape get into tour shape but now and it's a couple factors. In 2014, I blew my voice out. I thought I'd never be able to sing again. I started training with Ron Anderson, um, a teacher, and we figured I'd been singing and screaming wrong for my whole life. So I had to unlearn everything and relearn everything. Around that time was also like year one of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu showed me what it is to learn something from the ground up all over again. It's guitar and vocals, I've just always been doing it. Like yeah. I wasn't thinking I'm learning a skill. I was just doing it because I wanted to. Jiu-Jitsu showed me that. And then as of that two and a half years ago, streaming and having this intensive regimentation, that keeps me accountable. Like... If, if hypothetically I wake up one day, I'm like, man, I really don't want to sing and play guitar. I know I've got those people that are depending on me, depending on that time that want to be there and hang out. And maybe they're having a worse day than I am. I just don't yep. want to practice, but they need an outlet. So it keeps me accountable there. So those three things have made me better at what I do. Streaming has truly made me better at what I do, not just because I'm playing game stream, but it's because I'm playing Trivium song streaming. Um, our new record took 16 days to record. That's it. Wow. Because we're all so practiced and so rehearsed. Vocals were... I think like four days. What a radical idea, practicing the material before you get to the studio. 
More bands should try that. <laughs> Saves a lot of money. Yeah, and we're one of those bands that didn't too. Um, three of our records, Crusade, Vengeance Falls, and Silence of the Snow, were three records where we decided to stay in a lane and we decided to not, I decided to not do vocal pre-production on Crusade because we we're rebelling against ourselves from record two. We were rebelling against everyone that didn't like us on record two and all you know, the bands that didn't like us because of record two. And we went from being hailed as like the next biggest band in the UK and that next record, The Crusade, the one that rebelled against the previous, those same magazines said we were dead and we were the worst band in the world. And the UK did everything they could to bury our band for years up until like the last record. So that was a response. And that's when I was like, I'm not doing vocal pre-production. I'll figure it out in the studio. And that's that's a thing that most bands do. Yeah, They'll have their music written. They have their words written. They haven't really tested it. But for us, for a year before, a year before setting foot in the studio for this next record, I already was starting to practice all the vocal parts, the guitar parts. So I walked in and everything was muscle memory at that point. And everyone in my band's the same. We're all obsessive practitioners of our stuff, as all bands should be. I don't think people understand that about bands. Like even big bands oftentimes have not really played the material together before they get to the studio. Yep. And they don't realize, oh, this part of the song doesn't work because we never played it before. 100%. And that's something that bands need to do. And that's that's one of the key components of our last two records that make it sound so great. It was the four of us in a room together making sure we could play and sing and do absolutely everything before we ever set foot in the studio. The two before that are ones that we stayed in specific lanes. And while I'm very, very proud of those records, there are a couple songs I love off those. Those two records did have issues with different subsets of Trivium fans because we we limited ourselves in, in staying in a lane. We didn't do that full pre-production because both times the, each different producer was like, let's keep it malleable. Let's not focus too much on vocals till it's time. We're the kind of band that has to have stuff muscle memory. And the streaming aspect of it is just me practicing it nonstop and just being good to go. That's such an interesting and smart... I don't know if that was your strategy or if you just kind of realized that's what it is, but the idea of basically documenting you doing your job of practicing the material and also being able to, you know, turn this into what it is, is such a just perfect synergy to speak to the game thing. It's like, you don't have to switch gears into a completely dis different discipline to stream. You just do what you would normally be doing, except you got a camera in front of you. Exactly. And that's the band guys that have asked me that have wanted to do this and really pursue this. So I've told them, I was like, bring your audience over. I've talked to some guys in much bigger bands than mine that have been curious about it and some guys think it's awesome. Some guys said, nah, that's too much for me. I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Some just want to stick to games. Some don't want to stream. So you got to know, and you've got to like feel that authentic thing in there. Like I've always wanted to just stay connected. I love teaching. I love talking. I love knowing who's supporting our band. I love the fact that I know my subs by name, all my moderators, they're all best friends in real life. A lot of them like flew in from all over the world to go to another one of our moderators weddings. Like oh, it's, wow. it's a really cool, like mini community that we built in here. And I love that. I love to see that. You know, I read all my comments and I get, you know, three to 5,000 comments on most of my videos. I read every single one of them. I read every DM I get and people think I'm crazy. And sometimes it definitely isn't great for my mental health in certain ways. But on the other hand, to me, it's like, well, why are you doing this if you don't want to have a conversation with people? And I learn so much from that. Like, that's the reason why I know what video I'm going to make next is because the people in the comments told me what video, not literally saying make this video, but I realized, oh, everybody's talking about this. I need to make a video about this. Just like listening to your audience and communicating with your audience is such a simple thing, but it seems like so many people just don't do it. There are a couple of things that get lost somewhere. Like, I mean, I've been around it. It's never really been me. I've had it in my band. I'll, I'll put it that way uh, along the history of our time. Like basically, and I'm sure you've seen it, fans have seen it. When a record comes out of some bands, some musicians, 
in their minds, they've made it. They no longer need to practice guitar. They no longer need to practice their vocals because they did it. They're good. They could just go on tour. It's going to work. That's not the way it works for most of us. There are some singers out there that are freaks of nature that don't need to warm up, that have never had to take lessons. Um, Bruce Dickinson, Ronnie James Dio, I believe Halford, Howard Jones, like these guys, they don't need to do the extensive crazy warm up that I have to do. And they're, they're godly. Me, I have to do it. I have to do that full intensive hour, five hours for a show, and then another 30 minutes, 60 minutes for the show, another five minutes, five minutes for the show. And that's how my voice works. And I know that. It's interesting that you seem like a very regimented person in general, which is very unmusician like. I mean, to touch on the schedule thing again, because I looked at your Twitch page and you have like, it's like shifts at work. Like you have a, when I'm not on tour, this is the schedule. When I am on tour, this is the schedule. I'm guessing you stick to that all the time. That's a thing that's very rare. And it kind of makes me go like, man, I don't know very many musicians that want to sign up for that. Yeah, I agree. Like when I've explained it to a couple, they're like, that sounds really intense. That sounds like a job. I don't want a job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love it. I find such comfort in regimentation sketching. My, my dad is a Marine. My mom is Japanese. Those are two super regimented, insanely disciplined cultures. Uh, it just must be baked in my DNA to want to have that. I'm a super high anxiety person, but I found that my intense anxiety is chilled out with the more stuff I have to do, which seems counterintuitive, but it seems to be what fixes it. I'm the same way. Like my wife can testify to this. If my routine gets disrupted by something, I get super agitated and it takes me a while to calm down. I'm the same. (laughs) I'm the exact same. Yeah. I like to know. I mean, I wake up at the same time every day. I like to eat at the same time every day. I mean, it's, it's slightly ever since having twins, And before the twins, we had a French bulldog for 10 years. We had to put her down right when our twins were born. She developed diabetes five years uh, into her life. We saved her life. She had DKA. She almost died. But we had to give her the shots and a measured amount of food, the exact same amount, Mm -hmm. the same time every single day for the rest of her life. Same time she ate, same amount of insulin. If she got a little bit weird, we have to check her blood sugar, which she'd bite and scream over. But we kept her alive through that. So like... Those little training elements of schedule and regimentation, when we go on tour, I prefer to play the same time every day. I like to wake up the same time every day, same routine every day. And if the routine's not there, I do fall apart a little bit. But it's good. I feel like mammals need that. Mammals need um, a regiment. Like we look at animals' flight patterns or mammals' hibernation patterns or raising babies. Like they like a schedule. If it sounds intense, it is. But I find like people like yourself and myself would be very good at it. And you're, you're mentioning reading comments and stuff and What I've found that's super interesting about Twitch is you can build the community the way you want to. And I've had like people that didn't know what Twitch was that were popping in for entire streams like, holy shit, this is the most positive I've ever seen the internet. My Twitch page is like 99.9% positive. Like we just, we cultivate that positive Mm -hmm. experience. Anything that's like negative, you can always just like time it out and get rid of it. And someone's like, why do you time that out? They're like, well, you know, when we allow something to sit like that, that's kind of negative. I've seen the chat skew. It then shifts negative. So I'm so happy that it's like 99.9% positive. I I find my personal socials, it's like my Twitch is the most positive. And then probably Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, they kind of flip for my personals, like range of positivity to least positivity. But I think it's usually also a function of who you are, like... All of our merch guys have always said to me, uh, of all the different merch guys we've had in our history of our career, they've always said, man, your fans are really polite. That's awesome to hear. I love to hear that. That would make me very happy to hear. I'm always so happy to hear that because, as you know, merch guys work for 10, 20, 30 bands in a year in an album cycle. So for them to say that, I believe that at times it's potentially from the extension of the people the bands are. And I'm glad that not all our bands are going to want something or someone to look up to. But for those who do, I'm so happy to know that myself and the other three guys in my band are all good and decent, decent people that 
could hopefully lead a little bit by example for those who want it. I'm not saying that's what we ever put out there for to, to be preachy or anything, but for those kids who want to look up to someone or, or want to see how to act, they know that I can rest assured knowing that we are good examples to them. And I think that that's what translates through to our fans. It's so true that the kind of energy you put out is the kind of energy that you will get back from the world, generally speaking. And my comments definitely get shitty because YouTube gets that way, but a lot less than average. I mean, there's only, you know, when there's a huge quantity of people consuming anything, some percentage of them are going to be idiots. Always, always, yeah. But you can definitely, if I ever let myself in a video get kind of negative and ranty or anything like that, guess what? I get shitty comments. And I'm like, oh, well, of course I did because I encouraged that. Yeah, it is. It's a really interesting, like, how quickly that happens, how quickly they learn or if they feel and they can gauge the, the environment and the mood. Just like kids, you know, they do, you do something, you don't think they're going to notice it. They notice. Oh, right <laughs> like, away, but, man. But daddy does that. Yeah, I'll catch myself like I threw a toy once. A second later, cure her little toy. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I want to ask a potentially touchy question. So I apologize and feel free to not answer it if, if no it's uncomfortable. But I'm just curious because your success with with Twitch is predicated a lot on Trivium, how do you handle that with the rest of the band? And you're like you're streaming the band practices. Do you share some of that with them, or how does that work? I've always made sure that guys are cool with it. I always ask, like when we're coming up, but I always ask before every show, every sound check, every single thing that they're on camera. Like, do you guys mind that you're on camera? Are you cool with this? I'm so lucky that my entire band embraces the hell out of this. They love it. Apollo's just talking about how he wants to next cycle start streaming every single practice and basically make our practice room a nonstop streaming room, which I'm super happy about. But what I'm going to do anytime that it's our full band on my stream, it's been brought up to us by management or label. Like, well, what if you made a trivium Twitch? I'm like, that's that's not going to work. No, because people want to connect with individuals. A singular person. Yep. And that's something I feel like YouTubers understand, Twitch streamers understand, but bands, companies, like I've, I've had like different people, like I've, I've been helping with like cons- consultation with music and gaming for different entities. I always tell them, if you make a company-wide thing, it needs to be just for events. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have that channel where it grows, there needs to be a singular person. So anything Trivium we're going to do, the first link that you're going to see below, this is how you support Trivium. Buy their merch. It links to that. I'm going to push everybody anytime I'm going to have a, a chatbot we're going to make to say if you want to support the people on this screen buy trivia merch that's how you support the full band so basically in lieu of subscribing or donations Mm -hmm. or anything would go directly to me pushing them to the band what i've found too is that on tour live show streams uh basically when i'm on tour my channel doesn't grow it sustains when i'm at home it grows because live show people want to be able to be engaged with and to have the streamer engaging with them on twitch right live streaming of a show is a little bit different like the live streaming of like a YouTube show or a Facebook show. That's not about that two-way interaction, Mm -hmm. but with Twitch for it to really grow, you have to have that. So for our shows, it just sustains when I'm at home, it grows. So I build it and then it sustains, build it sustains. So bands that want to have a Twitch, if they just want to do it for one off, that's cool. It's going to work and it'll be, it'll be a cool thing. But if you want it to grow for a band, my, my suggestion would be if you're going to have a band account, let's say you have five people in your band, Monday's band member one, two, three, four, five, and then Saturday you have a full band show. That would be my recommendation versus having like a show a week or a show a month because there's no interaction. You have to have that for it to be Twitch. Like that's that is what Twitch is. It's right. that two way interaction. Right. I've seen a lot of bands, as you have, of course, do live stream shows recently, and some of them have done really well. Like you know, Code Orange did well. Dropkick Murphys did well. There's 
I'm sure lots of other examples. And that's totally cool. But I think people may be getting a little bit overly enthusiastic about that in the future. You know, as you said, the first show of the tour is this. And then, you know, by the end of the tour, it's whatever, 20% of that, which is cool. But I think bands may be getting a little bit too excited if they think they can virtually tour from now on or something like that. What I always say is the another counterpoint for band guys who haven't been into streaming. They've said, well, doesn't you streaming all your practices or you streaming your shows push people to not want to go to your shows? And then to that, I always tell them there is no simulation in life that can ever capture or authentically replicate what it is to be at a show ever there's nothing even watching the greatest mixed live dvd from your couch is not the same as being at a show whether you're someone likes to be in the front and smashed in or someone who likes to be in the pit or someone likes to watch from the from the crowd far away it will never be simulated it will never be the same there's there's no experience that can ever truly capture that in which i'm glad i wouldn't want that to be replicated but it can't it can't right it'll never be as good to actually be at a show so ours is always i look at it as a way of keeping people interested like there is so much content these days there are so many bands so many tv channels so many movies and series it is impossible to keep people's attention span and if your band is always able to be out there in a cool way that it's not forcing people to watch but they have the option to watch it keeps them interested it keeps their interest peaked i mean it's interesting that nine records in 21 years in our band right now feels more modern than ever i i don't know how or why totally i would agree with that it's bizarre it's it shouldn't feel that way but <laughs> but it is and I'm, I'm glad it does maybe it's because of the way all of us are have always authentically embraced different technologies maybe that's why yeah i mean the way i look at it is just i enjoy interacting with people and i'll do that wherever that's happening right now and if that's Twitch, cool. If there's if it's TikTok, uh, I don't know if I'm a TikTok guy, but yeah, I can't dance. I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't dance. Yeah, I agree. And and right now, everyone's going to be flocking to do this. And I just say, like, if you're going to do the live show model on Twitch, interact too. Like, definitely try to interact too. Because like for us, it's impossible because we've got the backpack plugged in the soundboard. Can't like wave at it and chat. But when we do this practice rig thing, we're going to figure out a way that each of us can be interacting at all times. It's interesting that people might think the way to succeed with streaming a show would be like higher production values and more spectacular. But I bet it's actually the opposite. I bet people want to feel like they're hanging out in the practice room with you. They do. They do. That's really key. I mean, our live show rig is... That streaming backpack, I think it costed like a thousand bucks to build. Um, we have to rent unlimited data. That's a difficult thing to get. There's only like one company in the world that, that rents out data sims. And then it's just a great mix going. The video quality is okay. The audio quality is great. It's like being on side stage with a killer monitor mix. That's what it's like. And I find that the multi-angle thing is cool, but it's in the end, it's going to be what makes it different is the engagement. To have a community that's already there, that's what's nice is when we are on tour and I'm not engaging directly, our community, our moderators, the people who've been around for 36 months of a sub are the people that can be interacting and that there's still a community happening. There's like a vibe happening in there. And without that, it's it's, it's no longer the Twitch ethos. Well, uh, we're starting to run out of time here. So let me just ask you one last question, one piece of advice for anybody, whether it's streaming or a band or anything like that. For me personally, I feel like the hardest part of being a creator is the part where you're putting stuff out and nobody is watching or listening or nobody cares about it. And you're like, am I just putting this out into the fucking void forever? <laughs> what would your advice be for anybody in that position? Because that's probably a lot of people listening to this. Anyone that's built a platform already, like, like if I think about our band, anytime I have tried to write for something, tried to stay out of ingredients or tried to make something be something or try to make a successful hit, not that we've tried to do that very often, 
it's gone weird. So I always say go back to the roots of where you start off before you had a single fan. And you'd be making things for you. You make things authentically that you love to make. And you're the main person that you should be pleasing. You shouldn't be thinking about, or other people would like this or hate this. Make what you love. And that connects you back to the roots of why you did this whole thing in the first place. Cool. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. And good luck with the rest of the lockdown and your streaming ventures. Anything you want to add before I let you go? No, man, that was a fantastic chat. I really appreciate that. Really, really awesome questions, man. Thank you so much. Cool. Well, I will uh, send a link over when it's up and uh, hopefully see you next time you come through Seattle. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you very much. Take care. take care. Thanks so much. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works, too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.